Welcome, everyone. It's Henry DeVries from Indie Books International, and welcome to the Marketing with a Book podcast. I had a special request for this topic today. I'm very excited about it. But before we get to our speaker, it's time to do our author roll call. So please tell us where you're from and who you are and what the title of your book is. So we're going to start off with Alan Stern and then go to Christopher Hodges. Hey, I am Alan Stern. I am uh, here on the, the beautiful Jersey Shore, the land of the free and the home of the bride. And my book is called Enjoy the Ride, uh, Lessons in the Quest for an Enjoyable and Profitable um, Career in Dentistry. Thank you. So it's dentists who you're helping to enjoy the ride. Yes, sir. And you had a bumpy ride. and uh, Very much so. All the so, lessons I've learned translated into good for other people. Yeah. And, and you're going into this new phase of your career and you're generously yeah. helping people. So thank you for the good work. Yeah. You thank, thank you, Henry. And thank you, Mark. Christopher, say I, hi. I should have this down by cue. Uh, is the sound working yet? Okay. Yes, it is. My name is Christopher Hodges. I'm the author of Noble Automation Now. And as you can say, my subtitle is Innovate, Motivate, and Transform with Intelligent Automation and Beyond. But I have big news. Due to Henry and Indie Books International, this book is ready for my first keynote earlier than we planned on having. And I have my early copies in hand. As you can see, this is the real thing. And I just want to praise Devin and Henry and all the editors and everyone else involved for getting this done and Mark LeBlanc's unbelievable encouragement. That was more than I was supposed to say. I'm still in Denver. Thank you. Thank you, Christopher. How about uh, David and then Joe? Thanks, Henry. I am David Goldman. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I wrote the book, uh, The Road to Happiness, How to Get What You Really Want. And I'm most excited about a book I am writing now, co-writing with Henry and Mark called Bringing in the Business. And uh, it should be out in the first quarter next year. David, thank you very much. We're looking forward to that. Uh, Joe Paolo, how are you? Hey, Henry, how are you? I'm good. Uh, Joe Paolo, I'm in Shoreview, Minnesota. I'm author of the book, upcoming book, How to Sell Nothing. So... Joe, you have real experience from in the trenches to offer people that what really works and what doesn't work in selling. It's, it's a very personal tone that you, you've put together there. Uh, it's, uh, um, I call it a quest book because it's about Joe's journey and uh, he's sharing wisdom from along the journey. So thanks for being with us today, Joe. Sure, thank you. This, this talk is for you today. <laughs> All of them are. Mark, you're our featured uh, speaker today, but you're also one of our authors. Uh, if you'd uh, introduce yourself, that'd be great. Hi, my name is Mark LeBlanc. I'm in Minneapolis. And along with uh, David Goldman and Henry, we are co-authoring the book, Bringing in the Business, and very excited about that 2022 release. Thank you, Henry. Thank you. Um, Mason, and then if uh, Regina would like to uh, introduce herself, we'd love that. But uh, first, let's start with Mason. Hi, my name is Mason Harris, and uh, it's a pleasure to be back with my Indie Books International colleagues. I'm the author of The Chutzpah Advantage, 
I'm known as the chutzpah guy in some circles. And uh, actually, I've also written another book called Entree Marketing, but that was not with uh, Indy. Um, and Indy's book has done better for me in a lot of circles. So I credit that to there. I'm based in the Washington, D.C. area, and I'm looking forward to tonight's discussion. Mason, we don't have to do your first book. We just want to do your last book. Uh, well, or your next book. So uh, I'm glad you're here today. Um, you'll add to the conversation. Um, Regina, would you like to introduce yourself? Great. Um, thank you, Henry. Regina Barr from snowy Minnesota. Uh, so for those of you in Minnesota, we're dealing with our first real snowstorm of the year. My book uh, is not written yet, but I am hoping to get that done next year. And it's uh, working title is Solving the Confidence Riddle. And it's going to be a leadership book geared towards women. And Regina has a great deal of experience in helping advance the careers of women and getting women up the ladder and through the through the glass ceiling and whatever it takes. So we're, we're glad to have you as part of the Indie Books family. Welcome. Okay, well now we would, uh, I'd like to introduce our speaker for today, my uh, brother of another mother, Mark LeBlanc, co-founder of Indie Books International seven and a half years ago. And something came up this week and something that I've heard wisdom from Mark for years. Um, not that I always use the wisdom. I particularly remember screwing this up once. And Mark said, when you heard me give the lecture 35 times before, uh, what made you decide to go in a different direction today? I pled uh, temporary insanity. So this is all about how to negotiate fees. Mark is the past president of the National Speakers Association. He's a man that's trained over a thousand speakers and he is a contrarian when it comes to negotiating speaking fees. Most authors and even Hall of Fame speakers who I have listened to their content, read their content on this subject, they have this basic approach that when Mark examined it, saw that it was, well, it just wasn't right. And there's a much better way to approach this. And um, Mark has a lot of experience on this topic experience is what you get when you wanted something else. So he had experience on a lot of things and he's learned from that and we can learn from his experience. Better to learn from someone else's experience than your own. And it's all around that conversation you have when somebody wants to book you as a speaker and money is involved. Money is involved. So how do we negotiate speaking fees? Uh, with that, Mark, I'd like you to take it away and, and give us your wisdom on this subject. Thank you very much, Henry. And good to be with all of you, our uh, friends and family here at Indie Books. And, you know, this is uh, information. It's kind of a, in my mind, a throwaway presentation. Last week, Henry heard me mention something about the agreement phase and thought, ah, uh, let's get Mark to talk about this on one of our uh, marketing with a book uh, podcasts. And so um, for, I guess first and foremost, uh, this is positioned as how to negotiate speaking fees. Um, I'd rather that 
we gave it a little different title and that's how to how to increase um, your fee per speaking uh, gig or per speaking opportunity. I think that, um, and by the way, over the course of time, I've given over a thousand uh, paid presentations and I've tried it every, I've tried the fees every which way, up and down and sideways. I've made every mistake uh, in the book and learn from those mistakes. In fact, some of the uh, mistakes that I've made, I've made several times. You know, quite frankly, we have the opportunity to earn really well uh, for a one-hour keynote speech or a three-hour workshop. And we all grow up with different attitudes, habits, beliefs, behaviors, values uh, around money. And for some of us, we have the opportunity to earn more in an hour than a brain surgeon uh, without the type of rigor and uh, education that a brain surgeon has to go through for what, 16 years to become uh, a brain surgeon. It seems as if though, most speakers come out of the gate creating a fee schedule based on two variables. The variables are geography, where is the presentation? Um, you know, if it's in town, I charge X. If it's out of town, uh, you charge an extra thousand dollars or wh whatever the out of town fee might be. That's the variable I call geography. <clears throat> the second variable then happens to be, or the most common variable, is the length of the presentation. And I'm gonna speak in some generalities today. Uh, for example, a keynote presentation is X, uh, up to a half a day is more, and up to a full day is even more. Now I want you to think about this and in your notes, if you wrote down these two variables, the length of the presentation and geography, that's where most of us start because that's what most of us hear from other speakers or from uh, even speakers bureaus um, or uh, if we've learned it or heard it uh, at NSA. And, and that's where I started and it always bothered me. And it bothered me because I don't think like a speaker. I don't know if I should be a proud or embarrassed by Henry's introduction that I'm a bit of a contrarian. Um, I'm not so sure I'm a contrarian, although I, there are a lot of things that I don't do um, as other speakers would do. In fact, my approach is more of think like an artist, but act like a business owner. Think like an artist, but act like a business owner. For God's sake, don't act like a speaker, especially when it comes to your fees. It's important to step back and be reminded uh, that there are four phases to the marketing and selling process. There is the attraction phase. Second phase is the meaningful conversation phase with your economic buyer or your decision maker. The third phase is the decision phase. And the fourth phase is the agreement phase. 
it's as if you can put each of these phases in its own box. And each box has a goal, each box has a trap. In the attraction phase, all we wanna do is get the ear of a prospect or we get that inbound uh, interest. That's all we want. We want that person to raise his or her hand and say, I wanna know more about having you speak uh, at our conference or for our organization. Then we move into what I call a meaningful conversation. And that's a specific conversation um, where you are building a case for a prospect to say, yes, we wanna book you, or no, I don't think this is a thank you, but I don't think this is a fit uh, this year for our meeting. Or third, um, yes, this makes sense, um, but for whatever reason, um, we need to delay our decision. If you're finding that your economic buyers are uh, too often saying, we're gonna have to think about it and get back to you, it's likely that the quality level of your meaningful conversation is wafer thin uh, or weak. I wanna be so good in that meaningful conversation. In fact, I would rather improve my skills. That's not, maybe I am a contrarian. I would rather improve my skill in the meaningful conversation almost more than my skills as a presenter or speaker. Try that one on uh, for size. And the decision phase, the decision is really, are you buying me? It's not the decision to book me. It's the decision, am I making sense? Is this the type of presentation or experience you want for your people? Then we move into the agreement phase where now we start to talk <clears throat> um, uh, true fees, scope, variables, terms, uh, steps, contracting, all of those things that uh, go into the agreement, then creating a proposal or what I tend to refer to as a discussion document. So it's important to lay out those four phases and then layer it in with uh, the concept of audience and organizational fit. There are six different types of fit in the marketplace. There's a perfect fit meeting, a right fit meeting, a good fit or audience. There's a bad fit, a wrong fit, and a horrible fit. And I am nothing if not incredibly clear on my definitions of those types of fit and the nuances of my audience fit for all six different types. So quite frankly, I seldom am ever getting to an agreement phase conversation unless it's a good, right, or perfect fit audience. I've already graciously excused myself from a bad fit, wrong fit, and obviously a horrible fit uh, type experience. And after, <laughs> after decades, of experience, I tend to land more in the right fit and perfect fit organizations 
Um, and I just happened to have a good fit uh, agreement here in the last uh, 90 days. And I knew it was a good fit. Um, I tested and tried out some things in the agreement phase to some success. And when the engagement was all over on my way home, I realized, yes, this was a, this was a success, but it was a good, it was a good fit. It was not a right fit or a perfect fit. And I'm going to give you just a little bit of a clue or tip into fit. And that is the concept of pure audience versus a mixed audience. Pure versus mixed. In my world, in the world of business development and primarily small business, examples would be a chamber of commerce audience, even though it's a business group, is a mixed, it's a mixed bag. There's all kinds of different uh, businesses represented and there's salaried people and the marketing manager of the bank and the credit union uh, and uh, just all kinds, uh, small business retail, small business manufacturing, uh, professional services, the arts and antiques, the Dairy Queen uh, you know, owner. So it's just a mixed bag. They still wanna grow their business if they wanna have me speak, just a muffled group. A pure group, again, in my language, and you need to figure this out for you, but a pure group for me is when I'm in front of 90 top producers for Smith Barney, 20 uh, independent consultants, 800 uh, real estate agents, uh, 200 insurance agents, uh, 90 uh, graphic designers, um, a pure group of the same type of independent professional, because that's my sliver of the world. So you want to be thinking pure versus mixed, perfect fit, right fit, good fit. And then, of course, you always want to take into consideration, um, is this an opportunity for fee? or is it an opportunity for showcase purposes? I'm gonna throw a bunch of options and elements and factors at you, and it could be daunting or overwhelming at first. It was for me. I make it sound pretty simple, um, but it will take some practice and it will take a little bit of courage. I started many years ago with the dream to be a professional speaker. And I heard about length of presentation and geography, and I created my fee schedule uh, based on that. Um, many of you may not recognize this name, but a few of you might. I was mentored by Dottie Walters and uh, by Charlie a Tremendous Jones and by Maxine McIntyre. And this was 1983, I was 22 years old for God's sake. And so that's how everyone else was doing it. And I sort of followed in line and I had some success, but nothing ever really felt right. I wasn't speaking often enough to really get some traction and to see my calendar fill up and to see my confidence grow. And then a mentor of mine shared with me his approach. And his approach was of one fee 
fits all. My fee is X essentially for the trip. It was a single fee and his approach and philosophy was my fee is X. And while he didn't use this language, the, my fee is X, use me and abuse me. If you want me to do a keynote speech, great. If you want to add a program, great. If you want me to sign books, great. Um, if you want me to do three programs on the same day, great. If you have an opportunity to leverage my expertise in multiple programs or formats, great. My fee is X. And I moved to that and had some success with it. But it still didn't feel right because what I found or what I discovered was the bookings that I got for the single fee, I noticed that my clients now were, if they didn't have more for me to do, all of a sudden there was this sort of cringe or this moment of irritation. It's like, well, we don't really have anything else for you to do. So I, I guess we'll pay you your fee. And I just felt this at odds a bit. Um, I got the gigs that, you know, everything seemed to be fine. But as I began to notice that, and I began to think there's something not right with this approach for me. Please know that I live in a world of two or more right answers. It's not my way or the highway. Our goal is to unlock a combination or crack the code for what will work for you and what makes the most sense. If you like creating a fee schedule or your fee scale works on length of presentation and geography, great. If you are in a, a class where I really like that single fee and you know, let's figure out ways to be more creative and how I can be of good service. I'm on the trip, uh, single fee, um, that can work too. I was living in La Jolla, California, and I noticed something uh, in Southern California, and I've been back in Minnesota for 13 years, and so now I'm going to uh, show a sign of my age. I don't remember if it was Coldwell Banker or Prudential. Um, but I noticed that their listings were a listing range. They would list a home for sale and it was $547,000 to $690,000 or if it was $790 to $920. And I began to watch and observe this and I began to ask the question because everyone else was just listing a property for a price, which is the most common uh, all over North America. And I thought, I think that's genius. And I began to interview some real estate agents and they said, well, the reason we do that is that it gets more people in the game with us. And most people do not believe they can afford, often afford what they can afford, but if they're close or to the bottom end of the range, they'll at least look uh, at the property. And I thought, oh, there's something here. And I began to play with it. And then I began to test drive it uh, from a speaking perspective. 
only I made a list of variables that might impact the final investment for uh, a speaking engagement. And of course, I started with length of presentation, and then I added geography. And then I thought, well, I'm often hired to speak more than once. Um, so the number of presentations could be a factor or a variable. Um, certainly, the type of organization is a factor. Is it a corporation? Is it an association? Is it a nonprofit? Is it a religious organization? Is, is it an educational organization? And I saw a lot of speakers then begin to have different fees for different types of organizations. And then I thought, well, if the number of presentations is important, um, what about the number and type of presentation? I find that many times I get uh, a contract to not only deliver the keynote speech, but a general session the next morning, or the keynote speech and a breakout session, or the keynote speech and two breakout sessions, or not the keynote speech and two breakout sessions, but the same breakout session, same presentation repeated twice. Sometimes it's two breakout sessions, two different breakout sessions. And then I realized once I had my first book titled Growing Your Business, that products were a variable or a factor. Then I began to notice and experiment um, with travel expenses. And certainly there are some organizations that want to pay you for actual out-of-pocket expenses after the event. But I began to play with an inclusive fee and I would say to a prospect, would you prefer, would you prefer that I bill you after the event or would you prefer that I just include uh, a reasonable estimate for uh, you know, uh, usual and customer, customary travel expenses? Then we don't have to worry about that uh, post-event. And I found that seven out of 10 prospects wanted a fee that was inclusive of my travel expenses. In most cases, when that happens, lodging will be billed separately to their master uh, account. I know for some of you, your head might be spinning now, but I know that some of you are thinking, oh my God, this uh, is beginning to make sense. There's so much more that goes into these opportunities than maybe you were ever uh, even aware of. It's gotten more complicated now uh, during the pandemic um, because uh, recording rights and licensing rights and uh, usage were in the last 20 months of the pandemic, it's not uncommon for your client to assume that what they pay you to do your presentation includes the right to record the presentation and for them to own it in perpetuity. I don't know where they got that piece of information, but it has become a natural assumption that that is uh, usual and customary, and it's not. So licensing and recording and usage becomes 
uh, another variable. Terms of payment is also an important variable. I want you to jot this phrase down and the phrase or the acronym is P as in Peter, V as in Victor, uh, M as in Mark, uh, PVM, the present value of money. I have negotiated my fee based on being paid upfront in full a year or up to 18 months in advance if their budget was tighter. So rather than getting 50% upfront and 50% on play date, if, and we know, we always know in our heart and in our gut, if a prospect is trying to beat us up on our fees, or if they're simply, there isn't the budget for our fee, or we do need to negotiate. And, you know, when somebody says, well, Mark, this is all we got, you know, take it or leave it. Mm, that's a sign that maybe that's a bad fit, wrong fit, or possibly even a horrible fit. So I'm always listening for how my prospect communicates to me and what he or she says to me. By the way, I always only ever want to talk with the economic buyer, never the gatekeeper. It's a little bit more challenging when you're working with trade and professional associations. I, I get that. Uh, it's never 100%, um, but when the opportunity presents itself, I will certainly provide some information to the gatekeeper or the uh, person who's gathering information, but I want to have the meaningful conversation with the economic buyer. Now, how do we wrap this all up? Well, um, when we think about it, what I would encourage you to do and what I've had some really great success with is when you're in the attraction phase of the marketing and selling process. Example, you get an email. Um, uh, are you available on, on uh, uh, April 30th uh, in Louisville, Kentucky? And what's your fee? Um, we get a lot of requests that sound something like that. Um, my response will be, uh, I'll write it, or if I have their information, I'll pick up the phone. I'm, I'm a phone guy. I would always rather uh, pick up the phone, even to give them some uh, rudimentary or preliminary information. I want them to hear my voice. Even if I leave a voicemail message and say, thank you so much for reaching out. I just wanted to give you a quick call. I'm going to respond to your email by the end of the day but this sounds like a perfect fit uh, opportunity uh, for me and my expertise. I will look forward to hearing from you after you have a chance to review some of my information. How I address the fee question is really very simple. Thank you for asking. My fee range is X to 2x, and it's always x to 2x. 
Your fee range is either $1,000 to $2,000 or $2,000 to $4,000 or $2,500 to $5,000 or $5,000 to $10,000 or $75,000 to $15,000 or $10,000 to $20,000. But it's always X to 2X. It's never, ever, 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 ever. Um, it is never, well, my fee range is about $1,000 to $5,000 or three to $9,000. The gap is too large. So think of it as X to 2X, wherever you land um, in that spectrum. Now, I don't care what your fee range is. It could be $500 to $1,000, or it could be $5,000 to $10,000. No matter what your fee range is, there are only three responses. Number one, shock. Oh my God, you charge how much? Oh, we've never paid that much for a speaker. Again, your fee range might be $50 to $100. And you're still going to get, oh, my God, we've never paid a speaker before. hundred bucks? Are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> second response is, well, that, sound, I, that sounds reasonable. That's sort of where we thought you might land. Um, uh, you know, Mark, what, what makes the difference? The reasonable response is now moving into right and perfect fit land. And that's the response that I'm looking for. We don't have a prayer with shock, but we want to hear, well, that sounds reasonable. That's kind of where we thought, you know, you, we've kind of done our research. We've ordered, you know, your book or we've ordered a couple of your books. And so, you know, let's talk about what makes the difference. The third response is effusiveness. If they are overly enthusiastic, oh my God, that's it? That's your fee range? Oh, we, we, th we thought we, we thought you were $40,000. Uh, I mean, everything that, that we've, our, our research suggests that, you know, you're in that league with so-and-so and so-and-so. Whenever I got the effusiveness response, it was like, oh my God, this is, this is a lock. Until after several times I began to realize that they were simply fishing. There was always a reason to delay the decision. And a right and perfect fit speaking opportunity is never going to be overly effusive. So we're really looking for that. Well, that sounds reasonable. You know, what makes the difference? I want you to jot uh, this language down because I really want you to, um, I want you to practice this. I want you to practice it, try it, test drive it. The opening line was, um, Mark, what is your fee? Thank you for asking. My fee range, for my keynote speech, never be the same, is X to 2X. Thank you for asking. Um, my fee range for a growing your business 
uh, experience is x to 2x. Is that a range you are comfortable with? And that's exactly how I will either write it uh, in an email or articulate it in a conversation or over the phone. Is that a fee range you are comfortable with? Because I'm looking for um, one of the three responses. If it's shock, I will simply be as respectful and as gracious as I can be. I understand, I hear you. Um, I, I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, maybe, uh, maybe you're not accustomed to bringing in speakers who might speak for a living. It's their job, it's their career. Well, no, we usually get somebody from our industry or we usually get somebody uh, from the local university um, who's doing it as a, you know, I, I guess now that I think about it, they're sort of sideline speakers. And it's like, I get it. In fact, um, my network is, is pretty vast. Um, tell me a little bit about what you're looking for. And I might be able to suggest uh, a couple of speakers that I think would be thrilled to come and present for you. I always want to be that that uh, advisor, uh, that uh, uh, that prime resource, according to my good friend Jeff Tool, um, I want to I want to be that uh, person that they can count on, especially when they're in a bind. When they say, "Well, that sounds reasonable," um, you know, what makes the difference? I've never talked with a speaker who who has a range like this, word for word. Here is what I say. Unlike other speakers who tend to quote a fee, a speaking fee, based on two variables, the length of the presentation and geography, I've uh, come up with a handful of other variables that can impact your final investment. It doesn't take me long to walk you through those variables and we can figure out what's important to you and what's important to me. And we can create a fee agreement that honors both of us. My right and perfect fit prospects it's almost as if I can sense or feel or on Zoom, see them relax. It's like, cool. And then I will say, candidly, I'm driven by a single question. And that question is what will meet the best of what your members or what your audience uh, members need and want. As I said, it doesn't take me long to walk through these. Now, in most cases, they've already given me three or four or five uh, of the variables. They've already told me maybe where it's going to be, what they're looking for, uh, the type of organization, how many people might be uh, in the audience. And so I just have to fill in a couple blanks. By the way, I actually have an estimate sheet um, with these variables 
that when I have an opportunity, I pull out that estimate sheet and I just start making notes. I guess you could call it a lead sheet, but it's an estimate sheet uh, for me to figure out um, what the right fee would be for this. And then I'll just ask them some questions. Uh, you know, where is it going to be? How many people again? And you want me to come in and do um, a keynote speech, a two and a half day conference? Great. What uh, have you booked any other speakers? Um, you know, uh, this is a this is a perfect fit, or this is a right fit audience member for me. Is there is there an opportunity to maybe come in and do the keynote and maybe a breakout session or a general session the next more. In fact, a number of organizations will book me for the my keynote never be the same. And then they will um, have me do a presentation, a roll up your sleeves application version of my nine best practices for business development. Um, and sometimes they've given me a hint about, well, Mark, I know you've got this fee range. Is there, is there any way we can be closer towards the, the lower end of the range? It's like, well, certainly, you know, let's figure that out. And if we can, if we can agree on the lower end of the range, great. Um, but I've had a lot of organizations who will come to me with a fee that's outside of the low end of my range and I'm able to get them into my range by having a better meaningful uh, conversation. So it's just important that you understand there are a lot more variables here than meets the eye. And the challenge becomes, how do you set it up? My encouragement to you would be never quote a fee. Never quote a fee in the attraction phase of the marketing and selling process. I would assume that all of you have been in situations where you quoted a fee, they didn't have it in the budget, and then you had to backpedal and then start finding ways to add value. Why not figure out ways to add value, be a better business owner, be a better business developer, be a better uh, needs analyzer. And what I, what I always do is I anchor the investment as an investment in the outcome they want for their group, not a cost for a body to put in front of the room to satisfy a need or solve a problem. As I've said, um, there are times I will accept opportunities lower than the low end of my range. There are also times that I will end up with a fee more than the higher end of my range based on the conversation uh, and the variables. But it's not uncommon for me uh, to then, as we're having a conversation, it's like, well, did you have a budget uh, for this slot or this opportunity? Well, our budget is X, okay? I don't care what their budget is. That's not the, that's not the driving factor uh, that we need to work from or start from. 
but I want to know if they had one. And so it's not uncommon for then for then me to get all of the information I need and then come back to them and say, well, what if, what if I came in and did this and this? I threw in, how many people are going to be there? Oh, about 75. What if I signed 75 books um, in advance and we have them ready to gift to everyone? By the way, uh, I'm, I'm coming to Chicago. I've got no need to come back right away on Saturday afternoon. Why don't I stick around? I, you, if you pick up another night, I'll stay the weekend. Why not let, allow me the opportunity to hang out with your 75 business owners over the course of the weekend? And all of a sudden, they'll, and, and how about if we do it for this fee? It might be in the middle of my range. It might be towards the high end of my range. It might be uh, a little bit more than the low end of my range. There's no one size that fits all. And that's because in 94% of the opportunities, there's nothing is equal. Nothing is equal. There have been times when I've spoken for the high end of my range in downtown Minneapolis, and I've traveled to New Orleans, Louisiana for the low end of my range. It all depends on what you ascertain these variables to be. I guarantee you, if you give this a shot, it might be daunting the first one to four times that you try it, but all of a sudden, you will have prospects saying, you mean you do this and this and this, and you would do it for that? Let, let me make a call and let me see if I can get that approved. I'll call you back. They're happier paying me more this year than they did last year for the speaker because they got so much more. They beat the last year's speaker up on his or her fee. They came in, they did their program, they tried to hustle services and hustle products, and then they put a $90 bottle of wine on, on the expenses because they felt they deserved it because they reduced their fee. If you're ever going to negotiate, negotiate up. Don't negotiate down. For most mere mortal speakers, when they hear negotiate, they're negotiating a reduced fee. I'm the opposite. I want to negotiate and build value and exceed whatever they might have had for their budget. Now, for those of you that are starting out and occasionally um, I have to pull this card out of my back pocket, and that is you want the gig. For whatever reason, you want the gig and the budget is small. Consider what I call the 20% bump or the $500 bump. Let's say it's, it's low, but you really want the gig and they've said something like, well, gosh, we've only got $1,000. It's like, have the conversation and then just say, you know, I would be honored to come and speak for your group. If you can find your way, jot that language down. 
If you can find your way to $1,500, I know that might be a stretch for you. I will come and knock their socks off. And I've done the 20% bump. I've done the $500 bump. And just recently, I got a lower budget doubled. And uh, it was in Minneapolis. It was 20 minutes away. It was a good fit audience was not a right fit or perfect fit. It was only 12 people. And they had our budget is X that may not, uh, may be outside of the possibility of getting you. And I said, well, let's set that aside. We had a meaningful conversation. I sent them some information. And when it came time for me to present the fee, not in writing, I did it verbally. I said, if you can find your way to 2X of the budget, I said, I will come and knock their socks off. And because I had anchored it by the outcome they were looking for, and I was available on short notice, they came back 24 hours later and said, we found the money. So I would say probably 90% of my fee paid opportunities are in my fee range. Uh, a couple are on the lower end, a couple exceed the high end of the range once we find out what's really going on for their conference or uh, their experience. I know that was a lot in a short period of time, uh, I'll bring this to an end. Henry, we may have some questions in the chat box. I will stick around and answer questions after we formally end uh, for anyone uh, that wants to hang with me a bit. Thank you, Henry. Thank you, Mark. Devin, would you pin Mark and I for a few for a lightning round of questions here? Okay, thank you. So, Mark. Um, when it comes to licensing, I should set this up. The reason I think this topic is so important for our authors is the real money is as a result of the speech. So money you make from the books, money you make from speaking is great. However, the real money is four to 20x in what you spend for publishing a book and marketing in back of the room or what happens as a result, consulting these types of things. There are some stages that are so important for you to be on. It's a target rich environment, but you can't get there unless you're a professional speaker. And the first talk about that mark is range. So is the range five to 10X is, um, you know, sorry, five to 10,000, is it four to 8,000? For an author who's an expert, has a book, to be taken seriously, what is the range to start at? I think the median range, the median range for uh, a professional speaker, possibly not a master speaker. We have aspiring speakers, emerging, developing, professional and master speaker levels. But the median range I would suggest is five to $10,000. More likely, you are more likely to get in that range 
with a book, although it's not guaranteed. Um, it, it, gets you, it gets you more cachet and credibility in the conversation, but you could be a great writer. You could have worked with indie books and, and put together a great book and positioned yourself well, but if you suck as a speaker, uh, if you're not if you're not working, if you're not speaking often enough, having the book might get you the gig, but you'll never be invited back and you'll never get a referral from that organization. And words spreads quickly. Uh, but but I think to answer your question, five to ten uh, is the median range. And I would just put a tail on that, and that is. Uh, for our authors uh, and listeners to be thinking about what are you specifically doing to up your presentation and speaking game? Um, okay, two, thank you for that. Two, you're in the five to 10 range and the licensing question comes up. What, what figure do you throw out Oh, well, licensing would be X. We could, we could, I could do three hours on that question, uh, Henry. So there, there's no easy answer. Um, when you think about recording rights and usage and licensing, you look at two, you look, you look at two variables. You look at the potential number of people who could view it and the length of time that they have the rights to make it available to their people. If you cannot get the answers to those two questions, quoting a fee would be fee malpractice. But I would tend, and, and this is a, a, a dangerous answer to give, but I've had situations that for a right or perfect fit, um, I would negotiate a fee that's possibly twice the speaking fee. It's either gonna be twice the speaking fee, uh, it's gonna be a multiple of where you land on the speaking fee. Okay. Now, the year was 2019, May. You and I are in a car, uh, the meeting planners and professional speakers are driving us for ice cream before our presentation. And it comes up about, well, what happens if you really wanna speak for this group? Let's say you're in the five to 10 range and they don't have that budget. They, you know, but you wanna do it. Mm -hmm. um, what about the speaking bureau discount strategy? Well, that's a strategy that I developed a number of years ago where with certain, you know, I keep it in my back pocket um, I've also done it with the fee range conversation and maybe their uh, budget is here and the low end of my range is here and we're working hard to add value. Um, I will then say something like, are, are we in agreement that I'm the right speaker for this event? You're not comparing me now to anybody. Else. I mean, you want Am I the guy? Yeah, we, we can figure this out, that'd be great. Um, well, you're, we still need to come up a bit. If you can get to 
75% of my stated fee, I'll come and knock their socks off. And it's, it usually ends up to be an odd number, but I know what 75% of 5,000 is. I know what 75% of 10,000 is. I know what 75% of $7,500 is. Not that complicated. 5625. If, if you can get to 5625, I will come and knock their socks off. And they and and they might be at 4,000 or you know 3,500. And I might throw in 50 books, but but they'll come back and they'll get to the 5625. And then they'll come back and they'll say, well, Mark. Um, can I just ask you a question? Because nobody's ever done this to me before. Um, and by the way, I'm thrilled that we got this figured out. Why 5625? And it's like, well, you know, candidly, that 75% of $7,500, I waived 25%, the portion that would might normally go to a speaker's agency or bureau if they were to come to me with this uh, opportunity. So I'm just waiving essentially a sales commission that could have gone to a speaker's bureau. And that's one way that I can maintain my fee integrity. Mark, thank you so much. Uh, it's a shame we only had an hour. Uh, we hope to have you back on this same subject one day. The psychology, the applied psychology that you shared with the authors today is solid gold. So we wanted, let's have everybody thank Mark. And we look forward to another podcast episode of Marketing with a Book. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Henry.